0: Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 2, the apostle Paul is writing to a young man, a young minister, a young preacher that he is mentoring, a young man named Timothy. Timothy. And Paul says to young Timothy, he says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. I've entitled the message today 15 in 15. 15 in 15. Father, thank you for the incredible, incredible 15 years that we have had. Father, I thank you even for the beginning. That was a a struggle, and it it was hard, and it was difficult. But I thank you, Lord, for the tenacity that you gave us, the faithfulness of your people. Thank you, dear God, for what you're doing today. But I also thank you for what you're going to do in the future. And I just pray today the anointing of the Spirit will rest upon us. Give us ears to hear the word. And God, may we put in action what we hear and also share what we hear with others. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be reseated this morning. Well, 15 years ago, my wife and I set two goals. Goal number one was to see this ministry totally turned around and back on its feet in two years. I can tell you that before two years were up, we were worshiping in our very own brand new facility. Goal number two was to to give everything we had to one ministry for 20 years. Years And see what God could do in, with, and through us. And it's pretty amazing what God has done the first 15 of our 20-year commitment. I'm believing God to double what he has done in the past 15 years in the next five years. See, we're not ready to rest on our laurels. We're not ready to tread water. We're not ready to just mark time. I believe the best is yet to come. Well, today I want to share 15 things. Yes, you heard right. I want to share 15 things that I have tried to teach you over these past 15 years. 15 things that I hope you have learned, 15 things that I hope you have put into practice in your life, 15 things that I hope will live on in you and that you will pass on to others long after I am gone. Well, there's simply no way that I can cover 15 things in 30 minutes. So I need five more minutes. How many of you would give me five more minutes? All right, I got 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, four. I've got lots of time this morning. Well... Actually, this morning, all I have time for today is just to hit and run on each of these 15 points. And all of these, at least most of these, you've heard over and over and over again. And hopefully you have have heard and you have put in practice these 15 things. So let's get started. These 15 things are in no particular order except for the first one. The first and most important thing that I have tried to teach you is this. And that is to care for people. Above and beyond everything else that I have tried to teach you, I have tried to teach you to care for people. Matter of fact, someday when I die and someone asks you, what was the number one thing that Pastor Benson, what was the one particular thing that you appreciated about him more than anything else? I hope you were able to say he genuinely cared about us. Well, see, here's what I've learned, and that is people are more important than positions, possessions, or projects. Somebody said people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Here's what I've learned, and that is people will look look beyond your flaws, they'll look beyond your imperfections, they'll look beyond your inadequacies if they are convinced that you genuinely love and care for them. My number one goal here at the Grace Place is to create an atmosphere of caring. We are caring people, caring for people. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 25, Paul says, Harmony is enjoyed by all the people when each member cares for each other. Well, the second thing that I've tried to instill in you, the second thing I've tried to teach you, and that is live life on purpose. Live life on purpose. Now, there's a multitude of definitions for success, but my definition for success is this. Success in life is discovering your purpose and then passionately pursuing it. See, see success isn't delayed until you reach your destination. And success isn't limited to the fulfillment of your purpose. You are successful if you are honestly pursuing your purpose. You might say, pastor, how do I discover my purpose in life? Why would you ask that? I've answered it a thousand times, but let me do it one more time. Listen, if you want to discover your purpose in life, simply look in your heart and look in your hands. Look in your heart because what's in your heart will tell you what you are passionate about. And when you look in your hands, what you find in your hands will tell you what practical tools God has given you to work I believe that if you match your life's work with what's in your heart and what's in your hands, you will fulfill your life's purpose. See, when, when you stand before God on Judgment Day, he's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? Live life on purpose. 2 Timothy 3 and, T and 10. Uh, Timothy, uh, Paul writes, you certainly know what I teach. You know how I live and you know what my purpose in life is. Third thing that I tried to teach you these last 15 years, see how we're going? Third thing I tried to teach you these last 15 years is practice proper priorities. Practice proper priorities. See, see there's not time for everything in life. Not time for everything in life. So make time for the important things. Well, let me share once again what your priorities in life ought to be. Number one, the number one above everything else in your life, the number one priority of your life should be your relationship with God. Your relationship with God. Your second priority should be your mate. If you're married, it should be your mate. Your third priority ought to be your kids. And don't get two and three out of order. And number four would be our work or our ministry. And number five would be everything else. Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above everything else. Well, the fourth thing that I tried to teach you the last 15 years, and that is I've tried to teach you to live generously. Live generously. Live life with an open hand. See, too many people never get over the toddler mentality. Let me ask you, what are the, what are the first three words that a toddler learns to say? Mama, dad, and mine! Mine. Live life with an open hand. Let me give you some statements I've given you many times. Be a giver and God will make sure you always have something to give. If God can get it through you, he will get it to you. Be a river and not a reservoir. Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and you will lose everything. It goes on to say the generous will prosper. Well, what? The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be the fifth thing that I've tried to instill in you, and that is be willing to change. Now, change is hard, but change is necessary. See, see, people who aren't willing to change get left behind. Here's what we need to understand. The message is sacred, but the methods are not. And we get too all hung up on the methods, It's not about the method, it's about the message. And I was thinking about this as I was putting this message together and I thought of something very, very powerful. And I hope it's an eye-opener to somebody here this morning. Listen to me, listen right now. Listen, each new generation brings with them new methods. Each generation brings with them new methods. I don't do things the way my father did. I'm not saying my father did them wrong. I'm another generation. I don't do things like my father. My son doesn't do things exactly like I do. He's another generation. Each new generation brings with them new methods. Listen to me, listen to me. When we reject new methods, we are literally rejecting our own kids and our own grandkids. Hey, listen to me this morning. We should diligently teach the message to our kids and our grandkids so that no matter what, no matter what the methods are, the message will not change. No matter what the methods are, the message won't be lost. I don't know about this new millennial generation. What they, our parents didn't know about us. And hear me this morning, don't you ever think, don't you ever get it in your wildest imagination that God is stuck in some past error or stuck in some past time period. I'm telling you that he is an up-to-date God. He's an up-to-date God. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. God says, forget all that. What was he talking about in the past? He says, forget all of that. Forget all of that. He said, there is, that is nothing, God said. That is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. I'm about to do what? What did God say? I'm about to do something new. See, have, I have already begun to do it. Do you not see it? And Psalm 33 and 3 says, sing to him a new song. Oh, why don't we sing the old songs? He says, I'm tired of the old one. Isn't anybody writing a new love song to me? Sing to him a new song. Well, I could go from anointing to annoying there, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> the sixth thing that I've tried to instill in you, and that is be who God made you to be. Be who God made you to be. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, the psalmist says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. See, see with people, one size does not fit all. Seven billion people in the world today, and no two people have the same fingerprints. You are unique. You are special. You are individually made. Hear me this morning you did not come off an assembly line. You know, I've heard parents say about their kids, I don't know, I don't know why they all turned out so different. We treated them all just alike. You what? Why would you do that? Why would you take three kids that are different in every way and treat them alike? People are unique. Be be who God made you to be. Hear me this morning. You were born an original. Don't die a carbon copy. Don't allow your parents, don't allow society, don't allow anyone to squeeze you into their mold. Be who God made you to be and don't apologize when who God made you to be doesn't fit the mold that somebody else thinks you ought to be. God made me a bulldog. Because he knew a basset hound couldn't get the job done on the assignments that God has given me. Be who God called you to be and don't apologize for being that person. I'm not giving you a license to be rude. I'm talking about that. Hello? Number seven. The seventh thing I've tried to teach you and that is be careful who you hang out with. Ever heard me talk about that? Yeah, about every other week. Be careful who you hang out with. Proverbs 12 and 26, the righteous should choose his friends carefully. Proverbs 13 and 20, he who walks with the wise will be wise. See, you become like the people you spend the most time with. See, here's what you can do. You can add up the five people you hang out with the most. You can add up the five people you hang out with the most. Then you can divide by five, and that's you. That's you. So take a look at the people you're hanging out with. What are they like? Are they bitter? Are they angry? Are they negative? Are they critical? Are they cynical? Because if so, that's going to be you in time if you keep keep hanging out with them. So choose your friends based on who you want to become because you will become like them if you hang out with them long enough. The eighth thing I tried to teach you, and that is I tried to teach you to enjoy the journey. Krista, have you ever heard dad say that? Enjoy the journey. My kids used to hate it when we're on vacation and they're fussing and you know, they're bored, and we're driving. I say, enjoy the journey. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy the journey. Appreciate where you are on the way to where you're going. Because life is is as much about the journey as it is about the destination. See, See, if you can only be happy once you reach the destination, then your happiness is going to be very limited. So stop and smell the roses along the way. Learn to enjoy the small pleasures in life. And look for the good among the bad. And focus on what's right, not on what's wrong. Why is it there can be 12 things right and two things wrong? And we get all messed up and all upset about the two things that are wrong when there's 12 things that are right. Hey, let me tell you what the wisdom writer said about this. In Proverbs 15 and 15, he said, He said, for the despondent, he said, for them, every day brings trouble. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Somebody said it like this, attitude determines altitude. Enjoy the journey. Well, the ninth thing that I tried to teach you these last 15 years is, and that is I've tried to teach you to master your money. Master your money. Jesus said in Luke 16, verse 11 through 13, if you can't be trusted with earthly treasure, who's going to trust you with the true riches of heaven? You cannot serve both God and money. I say it like this, master your money or your money will master you. I say it like this, tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. It's called a budget. It's called a budget. Somebody said, well, well, money can't buy happiness. I say, but the lack of money and the mismanagement of money can cause a lot of unhappiness. Four things that you ought to be doing with your money in this order. First thing you ought to do with your money is, first thing, you ought to sow some. Sow some, that's that's tithe and offering. Listen, listen, get out from under the financial curse and get under the financial blessing. And that's exactly what happens to tithers according to Malachi chapter three. First thing you ought to do with your your money is sow some. The second thing you ought to do with your money is you should save some. Save some, pay yourself. Why is it that you do all the work and everybody else gets all the money? You put in all the time. You're the one that answered the alarm clock. You're the one that stayed until you could go home. You're the one that put in the blood, sweat, and tears. You're the one that earned the money. Why Why? why does everybody else get paid and you don't get any of it? Sow some. Save some. That means savings and investments. And number three, spend some. You get to spend some, but it's number three on the list. You get to spend some And when you're spending, spend less than you make. People just, I mean, it's just crazy how people think. You know, they don't understand. They spend more than they make, and they wonder why they're not making it. <laughs> Show some, save some, spend some, and then share some. Share some, yeah. Yeah, use what you have to bless those who don't have. See, most people have the mentality, more is for me. And so whenever they get a little bit more, maybe it's a bonus, maybe it's a Christmas bonus, maybe it's, a, you know, uh, Uncle Ed finally dies and leaves us some money, and, and they get more, and they think, oh, more is for me. Well, no, m- no, more is not necessarily for you. That was the problem with the rich man. Oh, man, he had such a bumper crop. He said, what am I going to do? I don't, even, I've, I don't even have room to put all this. I know what I'll do. I'll just build bigger barns. I'll have more room to put all of my stuff. More is not necessarily for me. Share some. The 10th thing that I tried to teach you these last 15 years, and that is debt is your enemy. Turn to your neighbor and say, debt is your enemy. Proverbs 22 and 7 says, the borrower is a slave to the lender. See, debt makes a slave out of you. It literally does. Because your debt, your debt tells you what time in the morning you've got to get up. And it tells you where you have to go. And it tells you how long you've got to stay there. And it tells you where you can and cannot live, where you can and can't, what you can and cannot drive, what you can and cannot eat, and what you can and cannot give. See, debt limits you in every way. Debt is not your friend. Tell your neighbor, debt's not your friend. Debt is not your friend. Let me tell you this morning that I stand before you today because 15 years ago I was totally debt-free. 15 I didn't come here in debt. I didn't come here behind the eight ball. 15 years ago I came here I was totally out of debt including my house. I'm not bragging, I'm making a point. I stand before you today because 15 years ago I was totally out of debt and I could afford to come to a wounded church that couldn't afford to pay me very much, couldn't afford to offer me much financially. You see, here's what you need to understand and that is when you're debt free, you can go places that nobody else can go. I've discovered preachers that wanted to take this church, but they couldn't take this church financially, they couldn't afford to. Listen, listen, if you're not debt if you if you're debt free, it'll open doors. It'll take you places and it'll give you opportunities that nobody else is going to be able to take yeah, yeah. amen yeah. you see when you're debt free you can go places others can't go you can do things others can't do and you can enjoy things others can not enjoy and you can give more than others can give right. See, see there's just not one single negative thing I can say to you about debt free living Well, the 11th thing, how am I doing? We're moving right along. We're on number 11. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's already on number 11. I have an ulterior motive. I've enjoyed 15 years. I'd like to have at least five more. So I'm not going to keep you all day. Hey, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, the 11th thing. Did I tell you what it was? The 11th thing I've tried to teach you is invest in missions. Invest in missions. Romans chapter 10, verse number 13 through 15. Paul uh, says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? Anybody that calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. That's something to shout about. But then he throws us a curveball. How then shall they call on him? In whom they have not believed. And how are they going to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they going to hear if they don't have a preacher? And how can a preacher go preach unless they are sent? I've taught you to invest in missions. See, see when it comes to missions, we are either a goer or we are a sender. See, see missions is not an option. Missions is not an option. Missions is a commandment. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Missions is not an option. It's it's a commandment. Missions is exciting. Oh, it's wonderful to look over and see a full house this morning. I remember when it wasn't. I remember when we gathered uh, at Burton Academy in that little choir room. Remember the little choir room? And it was almost too big for us. I remember 82 people one Sunday in that little choir room, 82. And it is exciting to be a part of something much, much bigger than this. And today, a good Sunday, it's 500 or more here. But listen, that's just a drop in the bucket to what we're seeing around the world. Missions is exciting. Missions is fulfilling. Missions is rewarding. Listen, let me give you some numbers really, really quickly. In the past 15 years, our church has given a total of $2,438,502 to missions. But I want you to get the perspective here. $2,438,502. In 15 years. But of that, $1,417,494 has been given in the last five years. But let me give you another statistic. In the past three years, our church has given $1,689 in the last three years. How many remember our 135 campaign? What was it? $1,000,000. Three million souls in five years. Let me tell you, we did not reach that goal. We got close to that goal, but we didn't reach it. But let me tell you something that's more exciting than that, and that is in the past two in the. In the past two years, our church has given $869,212 to missions. Listen, listen. So in other words, uh, we're not giving a million dollars to missions in five years now. We're giving it in just about two years and three months. Amen? We're giving a million dollars to missions. Amen? And, 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 And at this rate of growth, I project that we will give in the next five years what it took us 15 years to give in the past. And actually, I want to tell you that my goal is for us to give $1 million in one year by my 20th year of ministry here. Who can believe God with me for this? Amen. I'm telling you that literally millions of people are going to be in heaven and, and they're not are going to be in hell because of the investment and missions that we have made in the last 15 years and in the next five years to come. Listen to me, listen to me. The fingerprints of the Grace Place can be found all over the world. The twelfth thing that I try to instill in this church, in this people, and in you, and that is the key to happiness is thankfulness. The key to happiness is thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, In everything, say everything. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You might say, Pastor, what is God's will for my life? And I can answer it. God's will for your life is to live thankful. The will of God for your life is to live thankful, to practice thanks living, to live with an attitude of gratitude. That's what Paul said it was in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He said, in everything, give thanks for this. What? what is this? Giving thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See, here's what I've noticed, and that is happy people seem to be thankful people, and ungrateful people are unhappy people. Hear me, friend, entitlement will ruin your life learn to live thankful don't take even the smallest of blessings for granted well what is the 13th thing that I've tried to teach you these last 15 years And that is I've tried to teach you to maintain your marriage maintain your marriage Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 The Bible says, husbands, love your wives. Love them just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And verse 33, it says, wives, respect your husbands. Somebody said, marriage is a great institution, but who wants to live in an institution? (laughs) Here's what I know. Here's what I know. That is, lasting and fulfilling marriages require consistent maintenance. See, see, for your marriage to work, you must consistently work on your marriage. Say, Pastor, how do I work on a marriage? Well, read a book on marriage and read it together. Read it together and discuss it. Uh, go to a marriage seminar or a marriage retreat. Uh, come to my eight-week marriage class that I do on Wednesday night about once a year. See, see, m- see, the problem is, is, and that is most people maintain their cars better than they maintain their marriages. And then they wonder why the marriage isn't running as smooth as their car. By the way, my eight-week marriage class can be listened to online. The 14th thing that I've tried to teach you these past 15 years, and that is I've tried to teach you to take time for your kids. Take time for your kids. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Direct your children onto the right path. And when they're older, they will not leave it. See, parents are the number one influencers of their children. Oh, I know Hollywood uh, influences them. I know that professional sports and sports stars influences them. But parents are the number one influencers of their children. My son said to me recently, he said, Dad, he said, I'll be saying something or I'll be doing something and then I'll catch myself and I'll say, Oh, no, that's my dad. (laughs) He said, said, Amber, his wife, he said, Amber will say to me, That's something your dad would say. (laughs) Pastor Sean, my son-in-law, son-in-love, and I have love written down, my son-in-love told me He told me one day, he said, you know, he said, after working for you for nearly four years, he said, I've discovered I'm married to my (laughs) (laughs) father-in-law. He said, because my wife is just like you. Poor Sean. Poor Sean. He comes to work to get a little break from his wife or he goes home to get a little break from his boss only he never gets a break. <laughs> Parents are the number one influencers of their kids. So moms and dads, make sure you're a good influence. Amen. Because your kids are going to take on your traits. Whether good or bad. And please know this. Kids, spell love. T-I-M-E. And please, 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 hear this. Get it right with your kids when they are small, when they are young, when they are still in your house. Or you will spend the rest of your life trying to fix it. And if you want your kids to bring your grandkids home to see you, you better invest the time to develop a relationship with them when they are young. And understand this this morning, that is the only only things that really matter in life are your God and your family. I remember several years ago when my son was... At home, and he was in baseball, and Chad was an all-star baseball player on every team through t-ball through high school, and could have gone to college to play baseball. We were pastoring in another church, and his team went to the state playoffs. Well, guess what? Pastor and Don, on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, church time, we were in the stands cheering. Well, my wife was in the stands. I was behind the backstop yelling at the ump. (laughs) And when we got home, yep, 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 yep. Did you know pastor wasn't in church Wednesday night? Did you know he missed church to go to a ball game? That was my church people. So, you know, I'm so laid back and sweet and easygoing, and I never, I never address anything or whatever. That next Sunday morning, I got up and I said, well, I, you know, I've heard some things about Pastor and Don. Missed Wednesday night and was at a ball game. And we were. And I just want you folks to know that we don't go to every Wednesday night ball game my son ever plays. But he was in a state baseball he may not go to state ever again. He's there. His daddy, his mama's going to be there cheering him on. If it's Sunday morning and it's state playoff, daddy's going to be there. Now, we didn't miss church hardly ever, but this is a special occasion. And I said, you know what? One of these days, I'm no longer going to be your pastor, but I'm always going to be this boy's daddy. Hey, the only things that really matter in life are your God and your family. And the only thing that you can take with you out of this life is your family. And to all ministers, I would say this don't lose your world trying to save the rest of the world. The last, the 15 things, not the last, I hope I've taught you a lot more than these 15. But the 15th thing that I've tried to teach you the last 15 years, and that is I've tried to teach you salvation by grace through faith. Salvation by grace through faith. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. See, there's two requirements for salvation, God's grace and our faith. Our faith placed in God's grace is what saves us. And we understand that grace is God doing for us what we could never ever do for ourselves. Grace is God placing his only son, Jesus, on the cross. And then God taking our sin and placing it on his son. And then God pouring out his wrath for our sin on his son. That's God's grace. And that's God's part. Our part is placing our faith in God's grace for our salvation. See, salvation is not a reward for anything good that we have done. Salvation is a gift given to us by a good God. I ask you this morning, have you received this gift of salvation? Take away for the message today is, is James chapter 1 and verse number 22 and it says, don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling Don't just listen Don't just listen Do what it says Because if you just listen and don't do what it says You are fooling yourselves Father I just pray that you'll take the word That's been shared today Lord it's just a repeat of what I've said over and over But it's what you have sent me here To share with this group of people For these 15 possibly 20 Who knows how many years That lie ahead for us Oh God, I pray today, Lord, that you'll take this word this morning and sink it deep into the heart of the people. Make it a part of the DNA of this church so that when I'm long gone, this message will still ring true
1: in their hearts.